series this morning on family called As One. I believe that the family is literally the most, uh, I think, powerful institution on the planet. I think there's nothing more powerful in its witness, nothing more powerful in its uh, imparting uh, wisdom, nothing more powerful than imparting direction and purpose than the the institution of family. And I would say, hang with us for the next few weeks and you're going to see some wonderful things. Uh, But I will tell you that I think it all starts in the role of a mom. As much as a dad, I want to be able to say, like, no, I'm the leader in the hub of the home and all that business. I I think what was uh, quoted best on the definition of mom is from the My Big Fat Greek Wedding, right? Remember that that line when the the lady came up and she said, you know what? The dad might be the head of the home, but the mom is the neck, and she turns the head. (laughs) So in a lot of ways, uh, she's right. So uh, as much as we are not... I want to admit that it's the truth, and your influence, uh, your influence is amazing. And I just want to say thank you for you. In fact, I have a word today. I think it's, I believe it's from the Lord. It's for us. It's about a woman in the Bible uh, out of the book of Exodus, chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, uh, can you open it up? Exodus, chapter 2. I want to talk to you about her. You may not think uh, you've heard much about her. In fact, I don't, I, I've spoken about her before in the past. It was a long time ago. But I'm not so sure we really talk enough about this particular woman. Uh, th- this woman was a woman who had faith. Uh, I don't think it, I think it, it makes other people in the Bible's faith almost pale in comparison. Uh, th- this woman in the Bible stepped out at a time when it was crazy for her to do so. This is a woman who, who did something against all of the political unrest that was going on in her time. But she stood strong, believing that God was for her, and God was providing in her, and God was giving her insight, and would protect her and her children. This is a mom who literally imparted hope where there was no hope. Her name was Jochebed. Everyone say Jochebed. I think someone needs to bring that name back. I think someone here today, pregnant, you're going to have babies, Jochebed. That's it. Not Mary, Susan, Jochebed. I think it would go over big. It could show up on Facebook. Jochebed. Jochebed. Her husband's name was Amram. Jochebed and Amram. Jochebed and Amram gave birth. They had three kids. Uh, One of them was Miriam. One of them was Aaron. And the third one's name was Moses. Jochebed was this woman that when we read, her name actually means God is glory or glory to God. Remember that names oftentimes were given at a young age and then later on in life, after their life was given some calling or purpose or something that happened in their world, began to define who they were, their name was changed. Remember Simon? Simon became Peter. Peter meant little rock. It was upon him that Jesus was going to entrust authority into the church in so many things that he was going to do to lead all of the apostles. I love that. Jochebed, God is glory. She was a woman who was definitely someone who knew God. Jochebed was a woman who had an opportunity to influence her children in crazy ways. I mean, she was a woman whose all three children, one became a prophet, the other one became a priest, and, the, and Moses became the deliverer of the nation. I mean, this is a woman, and by the way, she raised these children in, in, in a crazy environment. Jochebed raised three children in an environment of slavery and bondage. And yet she told these kids something that transformed the trajectory of their lives. That we talk about them even today. 
Jochebed herself was a slave. By the way, Jochebed was one of the children of Israel that were in Egypt in slavery because her great-great-great-grandfather, Jacob, had left the land of promise and come to Egypt because there was a famine in the land. And when he left, he came to Egypt on the invitation of his son, Joseph. While he was there, the children of Israel began to multiply and they began to grow and to the point where it began to freak out the Pharaoh who was sitting on the throne. So this particular Pharaoh on the throne had forgotten about the goodness of the Israelites before because quite frankly, there was a a surge of children being born to all of these Israelite slaves and it was transforming literally the population of Egypt because of all of these Israelites being born. The Pharaoh got a little threatened and so he decided he would control the population quite frankly, by killing babies. He thought he would just control the population by killing. It was a horrible thing. It was horrific. I can't tell you, it's not the first time in Israel's history that someone tried to eradicate that nation. It wasn't the last time either. There was plenty of times that that happened. By the way, it's this time in history, I think it was April 20th, that the nation of Israel was 70 years old. I love it. Today, 70 years old of their own nation being back into existence. I think it's amazing. But I would tell you that there are, there's something about this woman, Jochebed, who did something against the tide of her culture. Her culture that was, that was telling her, you, you, have to get, you have to kill your baby. You have to be done with this. You have to do whatever the government says. I, I think there's something that shows up significant about a person who decides to believe what God says and walk out what God says in the heat of a culture that says you can't do it. And, and let me tell you this, I, I love the fact that there, it's interesting because the, the, the Pharaoh at that time said he wanted to kill all the male babies, all of the baby boys, but he said nothing about killing baby girls. It's funny to me because it was the girl, it was the woman, it was literally Jochebed who gave birth to the deliverer of the nation that would one day pull Egypt under. It was the, it was the fierceness of this woman who said, not on my watch. And she began to stand up and she said, listen, these are my babies. This is my son and he is special. I wonder today if there's a fierceness in the heart of a mommy here today who would say, not on my watch. You will not have my my son. You will not have my daughter culture. You will not have this. And just stand up and say, listen, contrary to the culture, I'm going to stand believing that God is able. I just wonder what would happen in a culture today of someone who decided to actually impart life and impart wisdom and not wait for the culture to determine how your children will become. You you do realize, Mommy, that you have an influence that that daddies, we like to think we have, but you have. Uh, Polly and I were watching some home videos yesterday. She's funny. I was out working in the yard, and I came in, and and I actually hooked the VCR up for her. I talked about that before. And (laughs) VCR, yep, those of you under 30... It's a really big tape. Anyway, so uh, she started watching away. And she was, I came back in about 5 o'clock. So I left, I went outside to work in the yard at 9. And I was just working. Came back in at 5 o'clock. She still, <laughs> she, she got hijacked. It, and I could tell tears running down her face. And her phone was dead because she's videotaping videos and all that business, right? But I watched this woman on the screen begin to chuckle and laugh and play and all these little fun things that she was doing on the screen with my little babies. But I can tell you, listening to her voice and her words and her influence, it's transformed all of them. In fact, she was the one who actually, who said to me early on in our babies when they were little, Jansen, I think he was a baby, she said, Lance, 
We can either decide that we want to raise our kids the way we were raised, or we could stop and look at a train wreck that became and decide to do something different. And so we decided to do something a little different, and we got some help to figure out how to become parents. And so we did that differently. You know, we, I love it because I feel like we, we stopped a curse that was placed on our family. And we began to, I don't think we did it perfect, but we certainly did it different. And we led them to Jesus. And one of the things I could tell you is this. Mommies, you don't have to let the culture tell your kids how to wear their pants. You don't have to let the culture determine how your kids are going to wear their skirts. You don't have to let the culture, you get to tell them. I, I remember there were times when my girls first started monkeying around with makeup. You know, little girls start doing that. And I would always tell them, hey, listen, more, more makeup does not make more pretty. You know, you're pretty without it. You can do this or whatever, right? And, and those are things, or my, my wife would teach my girls about modesty. When you bend over, always cover your chest. And always, I mean, she was always about that. Let me tell you, I love that about her. And, and, and let me tell you, there's the influence that a mommy brings to kids. It, it's unmeasurable. Hmm. Here we go. Exodus chapter 2. I want to tell you a little bit about Jochebed. Exodus chapter 2, verse 2. It says, the woman, in other words, Jochebed, became pregnant and she gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a beautiful baby and she kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a little basket made of papyrus, papyrus reeds, and she waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid him among the reeds, laid it among the reeds in the river Nile. I can't tell you how much faith that would have taken, huh? People take your baby and put him in a river and just say, hey, look, man, I'm going to just trust God on this one. Let's go down, verse 4. The baby's sister, this is Miriam, the baby's sister stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. By the way, pause. That's faith right there. Right? Faith isn't knowing exactly how it's going to turn out. Faith is stepping into something you can't see, believing in someone who can. I love the fact that I can only imagine that Jochebed said to Miriam, which was Moses' older sister, hey, go down there. Go down there, down river, and, and watch. Watch what God's going to do. I love this mommy, because probably wasn't Miriam's first thought. <laughs> I love the fact this mommy said, watch this big sister. God's going to do something special. Go down there and watch what's going to happen. I love the fact that the scripture doesn't say that Jochebed told Miriam, Moses' big sister, go down there just in case it doesn't work out. Go down there to be the, 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 the net just in case it doesn't go like we planned. What her mom said was, is go down there and watch what's going to happen. That's a mommy imparting something of faith into her children. She says, you watch this, Miriam. You go down there and watch what's going to happen. I want you to have a front row seat. Miriam, I want you to just be, I can cry. You just watch. You watch God move. That's a mommy right there. That's a mommy of faith that says, watch me trust God with my finances. Watch me trust God with loving and honoring your father. Even when it's whatever. I mean, watch me when we say we're going to do something different than the rest of the culture. This is a mommy who showed her children something special. Hmm. Love it. He must be one of the Hebrew children, the princess said. Verse 7. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Let me back up. Verse 4. The baby's sister stood at a distance, watching to see what would happen to him. Soon after this, Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and the servant girls walked alongside the riverbank. 
When the princess saw the little basket among the reeds, she told one of the servant girls to go out and get it for her. As the princess opened it, she found the baby boy. His helpless cries touched her heart. He must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Verse 7, the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go find one of the Hebrew women to nurse him, to nurse this baby for you, she asked. Verse 8, yes, do, princess replied. So the girl rushed and called on the baby's mom. Take this child home. Everyone say, take him home. Take this child home and nurse him for me, the princess told her. I will pay you for your help. So the baby's mother took the baby home and nursed him. Later, when he was older, the child's mother brought him back to the princess who adopted him as her son. princess called him Moses, for she said, I drew him out of the water. I want to talk to you this morning about a great mom. A great mom, there were, there were a few attributes that show up in this passage of Scripture that I think are really imperative for us to look at. Number one, a great mom recognizes her children are special. Recognizes her children are special. It says in verse 2, the woman became pregnant, gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby. L- listen, special. Mom, you better think your kids are special, right? Because somebody else might not. You better think your kids are special. I remember coaching high school football, and it wasn't, it wasn't the dads that I had a hard time with. It was the moms. Holy cow, man. They, they would, wow. The kids weren't even hard to coach. It was the moms. The dads were kind of like, I don't know, sounds good. It was the moms who said, man, my kid is the quarterback. My kid is this. My kid should be the whatever, man. And I remember our, our first coaches meeting when we'd have with the kids and the parents, the big parent meeting before the season started. And I remember the first thing out of our head coach's mouth is he would say, you probably think your kid is the best player out here. And all these mommers are like, mm-hmm, right? <laughs> and, and, and I remember Marty, Marty goes, yep, to you he is. But I promise you, I want to win. So, <laughs> little Johnny may not see the field as much as you want, right? And let me tell you, the emails, texts he got from that were crazy. But he had to set the standard because he knew he was going to get an earful all season if, if he was going to play fair and have just, you know, the fair, everyone gets a chance kind of thing. He was like, I'm not about participation trophies. I just want to win this thing, right? And that was so contrary to our culture at the time, right? I'm sure it's different today, you know, but nevertheless. Mommy, you should think your kids are special. You should, man. You should think that they're the most handsome, the most beautiful, the smartest, right? Because the world we live in is not going to tell them that they are. The world we live in is going to tell them that they're not pretty enough and that they're not handsome enough, they're not smart enough, they're not thin enough, they're not enough. You're going to tell them that they're everything. And if you don't, who will? You get a chance to tell them that. And by the way, that doesn't stop. You get to keep doing it for the rest of their life. You get to tell them they're the greatest. I always think about the American Idol auditions, right? I mean, some of the mommies are, are, can't hear a thing. But they think their kids are awesome, right? You ever watch American Idol when they do the, the, inner, the beginning of the season? Yeah, some of them. So they'll be like, I remember like when Simon Cowell was on there, and he would say, who told you that you're a great singer? <laughs> My mom, she says I'm awesome, right? Good, they should think that. Marks of a great mom think their kids are special. 
Now, we don't know this exactly, but Josephus, he was a Jewish historian. And this Jewish historian also knew Jewish tradition. And Jewish tradition tells us that somewhere Amram, Moses' dad, had a visitation from, from an angel early on before Moses was born that they were going to give birth to a baby boy and he was going to be special. Therefore, the Bible said he was special. Now, I'm going to level with you. I don't agree with that. He's, just, he's not a biblical writer. He's just a historian who talked about tradition. And I'm not, so, not going to let tradition trump what I believe was really special. I think God showed this mommy that her baby was special. I think God showed this mommy that her baby was something else. And her baby was something worth risking her life for. I mean, literally, I don't know if you realize that, but for, for, for Jochebed to be able to stand up in the climate that she was living in literally was a death sentence for her to be found out. She believed her son was special, and she was able to stake her life on it. What must she have risked? What, what, what must she have, have, have had to carry? And it's amazing, too. Like I said before, the, the context of the culture she lived in was bondage and slavery, and their whole job was lived, their whole life was lived just to please Pharaoh and what he asked them to do, whether it was building pyramids or buildings or whatever he was building, uh, aquifers. I mean, they had to do all that stuff, and, and literally... This mom said, hey, look, you are special. She raised the prophet, a priest, and literally a deliverer. I love that. In a climate that said it couldn't be done. Let me tell you this, mommy. The, the climate that you're raising your kids in right now isn't a great climate. Isn't a great climate. I love the fact that Jochebed's first response for it not being a good climate wasn't to post how crummy her government was on Facebook. Jochebed was terrible about posting her Instagram story about how terrible her president was. Kind of funny, kind of sad. Can I tell you this, Mommy? If we spent less time posting stuff on Instagram and Facebook about how bad the government is and more time imparting to our children, maybe something would change. Um, do we get to post that? We get to tell that into our lives. We get to Posting something like that, all it does is, I don't know, you know, you've seen it. It just gets nasty and weird and hurtful and spiteful. And you have the freedom to post all you want to post. Post on, I'm telling you. But I'm just telling you, there's a point at which for us to spend time into our kids' lives saying, you can, even though they said you can't. You will, even though they said you won't. You you must, even though they said you shouldn't. And you impart that into your babies and you tell them, oh, yes, you will. Oh, yes, you can. Because everyone in the world else is going to tell them that they're not enough and they'll never be able to make it. Number two. Number two, mark of a great mom. They won't allow the enemy to take them under. Great moms won't allow the enemy to take them under. I love this. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 3, or verse 2 says this. She saw that he was a beautiful baby, and she kept him hidden for three months. You know, we read that, and I don't know what it's like for you, but if you've had a baby in your house for about eight minutes, <laughs> you know what that must have been like, right? It wasn't soundproof tents. Come on. That baby was four in the morning. What was he doing, right? That baby at three in the morning or one in the morning, the two in the afternoon when it was hot and the AC wasn't working in the tent. You know that baby was blowing up, right? That happens. That happened. You got to wonder at some point, this mommy said, you know what? I am not going to allow this culture to take this from me and define this. I love the fact that this, this mommy wasn't going to allow the enemy to take her under. Wasn't going to allow the enemy to say something. And by the way, she had to keep a secret. She kept a secret for three months. She probably had to keep the secret from her friends. Maybe she had to keep the secret from her neighbor whose son was 
killed. I don't know. But we had, she had to keep it secret from somewhere. And let me just tell you this, by the way. Whether you're mommy or not, you're here today. And if you're packing around a secret, let me tell you, there's nothing that will erode you on the inside faster than a secret. Whether it was a righteous secret or not, she kept that thing and it began to eat at her and, and gnaw at her. And maybe you're here this morning and you have a secret. Maybe it's not a good secret. Maybe it's a painful secret and you're hanging on to that thing. Can I tell you this? The beautiful thing is, is that she didn't have to keep that secret forever. She got rid of that thing and she gave it to God and said, God, listen, I can't hold this thing forever. She began to, her deliverer was her son. And literally she got to say, I'm, I'm going to trust you with this. And she, she let the cat out of the bag. And she began to, she, she did what she was supposed to do. I love the fact that literally Jochebed didn't say, oh, I'm going to raise this kid until whatever. She just didn't. She just said, you know, I'm going to do my best. The three months was her best. She got to do what she possibly could to do. And she, she didn't have to live under the pressure forever. And maybe you're here this morning and you've been packing around a secret that's holding you down you can confess it to the lord man you give it to him because that thing will hold you it'll eat you alive jacobay had to carry the pressure of that thing around with her friends her name maybe even her family i don't know what it was like she probably couldn't run to the store she probably couldn't go off and do things she probably had to always hold him always be careful always be get quiet always whatever she did could you imagine the pressure that that must have been hmm Hmm. Jacobin had to trust God. It says in Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with your whole heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will make your path straight. Number three, a mark of a great mom, put their faith in God's provision. It says in Exodus 2, 3, and 4, it says, but when she could no longer hide him, she got a little basket made of papyrus reeds, and she waterproofed it with pitch and tar, and put the baby in a basket, laid it among the reeds along the Nile River. The baby's sister stood at a distance, watching to see what would happen to him. Hmm. It's amazing to me that this mommy put her faith in God's provision. She literally put her faith in God's ability to provide. She had no guarantees that this was going to work out. She had no guarantees. Can I tell you this, that um, Jochebed probably didn't come from a family of boat builders. I'll be willing to bet you that Jochebed probably didn't even, had never even seen a basket with tar and, and, and pitch. And I don't know if she ever had before. And she put him in this little thing. And by the way, it was a, it was a, a, a prophetic picture from Noah being put into an ark and being saved as much as Moses being put into this little ark and was saved. It was a coming picture of this whole thing. I love the fact that he was our deliverer, just like Jesus was our deliverer, was put into a manger in the same way. Like I'm telling you, there's this, this beautiful picture where God's trying to say there is a deliverer coming. I love the fact that, you know, literally this, this pharaoh, this king, was so afraid of males that somehow males were going to be the ones that took his kingdom down when it was literally a woman in her faith that stood at the distance and began in her faith to change the direction of an entire nation because she stood strong in the face of a culture that said, you can't. Mommy, what would it be like for you to stand strong in the face of a culture that says you can't? Do you have faith in God's provision? You have faith to believe that God can, can carry out what he said he would carry out in you. Hmm. Some of you are stepping out in places of faith that aren't fun. 
Some of you are stepping out in faith when you open the door on a Monday morning to your child at that school. You know that school I'm talking about. The school that has terrible administration. The school that has an awful teaching or whatever. That, that school that has a horrible curriculum. That school, remember that school that has that bully? That, school, that place? You hate that school, but it's in your district, and so you've got to send your kids there. And you feel like your hands are tied, and you're like, I don't like this anymore, and you can't stand it at all. Can I tell you who Jochebed released her son to? A horrible, horrible dictator whose intent was bent on murdering children. Jochebed trusted Jesus with her baby and sent them off to a horrible government. I'm not saying that you have to. I remember as when Polly and I were young parents, and people would come to us often and they would say like, so are you going to homeschool your kids? Or are you going to send them to private school? You're a pastor, you know. Everyone had an opinion. And we were like, ah, no, we're going we're gonna to send them to the school in town where we lived. The public school? We were like, yeah, we're, we're just going to send them there because we kind of want them to show them Jesus. Yeah, but you know, they're going to get corrupted. They're going to get terrible. They're going to get, and, and you know, the truth is they got influenced. There's no question. But I remember Mrs. Rexrode, their second grade teacher. Mrs. Rexrode. Mrs. Rexrode's amazing. Mrs. Rexrode was the kindest teacher I've ever met. She, she had our son the first year. And we would go into the conferences and she would tell us how great Jansen was. And we, then, then the next couple of years she had Mikey. And, and we'd go in there and she would tell us how Michael Lynn was awesome and she's wonderful and blah, blah. And then we went in there two more years later. We sent Bailey. Bailey had Mrs. Rexrode again, so the third baby. We went in there to the conferences and she started telling us about Bailey. Then she stopped. And then she goes, there's something about your family. I don't know what it is, but there's something about your family. And next thing you know, her and her husband and her two boys all started to attend our church. Her one son's in ministry right now. I don't know if it's because our kids did anything. but we got, By the way, we never really sent our kids to school. We actually brought them to school. We were in more things and involved in stuff than anything. Don't, don't be misled that you just don't send your kid and hope that somebody else does it at school. They're going to make them moral and all the right things any more than sending them to church is going to do all that for you. If you think the youth pastor's job is to make your kid a mature Christian, good luck. Our kids' pastors are amazing, but they get an hour, maybe a day, once a week, two times, I don't know, two times a month, whenever you show up. If you think that's going to be the influence that's going to change their lives, let me tell you this, you get to be that influence. And believe that God is going to come alongside and we'll augment all that you're teaching them. We'll say, pray like your mommy prays. You know what? Trust like your daddy trusts. How about we do, is that all right if we do that to your kids instead of them that? Some of you are like terrified. You just see looks on your face. Please don't do that. <laughs> Please tell them to trust other ways. <laughs> Not like him. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Mommy, we get a trust in God's provision. Some of you have to trust. Some of you have to pull up your car to that gas station, open the door, and watch your kids get into that stepmommy's car. And you trust because you know their values are not your values. And it breaks your heart every other weekend when you pull up and do that. And you're pained and you're like, I don't know. Let me tell you this, mommy. You trust Jesus as you take that step. You trust Jesus as you, you pray for them when they're not with you. When they are with you, you show them Jesus. You get to be that influence. You get to trust in God's ability to provide for you. 
You're going to show your kids. You're going to show your kids just like Jochebed showed Miriam. You're going to say, hey, listen, you watch God provide as we give this money, as we serve this way, as we, as we begin and we pray for our neighbors or we do, whatever you do, you get to show them and, and really set the spiritual thermostat in their heart to high or low. That's what I think a mom's influence is. It's a thermostat. I just want to know, is it on hot or is it on not? You get to turn that thing up. Hmm. Marks of a God, marks of a great mom. Number four, acknowledges the times that they live in. Exodus one nine says this. He said to his people, "Look, this is Pharaoh." He said to his people, "Look, the people of Israel outnumbering us, and they are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and war breaks out, then they'll join our enemies and fight against us, and they will escape from our country." Man, we live in a crazy time. We live in a crazy time. Great moms acknowledge the times they live in, but they don't run from it. Great moms acknowledge that we live in a crazy time, no question, but they don't run from it. There's too many, listen to me, there are too many young families that have decided to just wait on the baby thing. Can I tell you this? Some of you have been praying, God, do something to change this world. God, do something to change this world. Can I tell you this? It might be your son or daughter that's still not born who's going to make the biggest influence and big impact. Translation, have babies in Jesus' name, please. Because weird people are having them. I think good people should have them too. (laughs) Sorry. Don't post that online. (laughs) Pastor Lance said have babies. Somebody texted me last service between them. They're like, (laughs) never mind. I get the weirdest texts, all right? Let me tell you this. Yeah, I won't even tell you that. It'd be bad because that would get posted. They acknowledge the times they live in. I, I, I love my wife. My wife is the most feminine, beautiful person I know. My wife introduced me to Jesus before I was a Christian. I, let me tell you this. My, my, I love her softness. I, I love the fact that I heard a guy say one time in a marriage seminar. He said, you know, men were made from the dust of the earth, but a woman was made from the bone inside of a man's chest. And so she said, this guy was talking, and he said, when a man was made from the dust, he was refined from the dust, but a woman was made from the man's rib, which makes her doubly refined. I love that. There was some about that, and I realized, like, I'm married to a person who's doubly refined. She's not better than me, but she, is a, she has an insight I don't have. She has a sensitivity I wished I had. She, there's a reason that God calls the church his bride. There's something about this this, this, this wife, mommy, whatever it is you got. I'm telling you, there's something about a mommy that has insight and influence and stuff. That I, and my fear is that there are people who, who, will, who will tear it down and who will say, it's, it, that's your, when Polly and I decided early on that we were going to raise our babies and that she was going to be a stay-at-home mommy, we, we made a decision to uh, not have the greatest financial, you know, whatever, because we were going to do our best, right? And, and I love it with you. There was a lot of uh, Rob and Peter to pay Paul moments when we pay this late and that right on time because we were just going to do that, right? And right or wrong, I can tell you after following Dave Ramsey, we probably could have made some better decisions. But I also can tell you this, that I don't regret the fact that Polly stayed home and uh, we were not, we were living in a rental messed up house that it was just what we wanted to do. And it, let me tell you this, I wouldn't change it for the world. Because Polly got to be there as a doubly refined woman and show my son what a great woman's like. And show my daughters what a great woman's like. I love that. 
If you, if you spend 10 seconds with Polly, you'll find yourself loved, right? And they got to see it and experience it. And I'm watching them grow up as adults and do that. I want to say it's all because of my awesome influence and leadership in their lives. But I wouldn't be telling you the truth. Hmm. Marks of a great woman, great mom, number five. They recognize their need to release. Exodus 2, 6 through 9 says this. As the princess opened the basket, she found the baby boy. His helpless cries touched her heart. He must be a Hebrew, one of the Hebrew children, she said, and the baby sister approached the princess. It's interesting. Moses' mom, Jochebed, not only had to release Moses once, she had to release him twice. Let me explain. Back in those days, when we say, you might have even watched one of these shows that have been depicting this particular passage as Moses being an infant that was, uh, got to be nursed. I, I level with you. I've, when I've talked about this before, I always thought that Moses was nursed in the home of Pharaoh. But, but literally, reading it again, you know where Moses was nursed, right? He was nursed at his own home. Like he got, to, he got to go home with his mommy. And by the way, when we read nurse in the Old Testament, we think it's just at the breast. And I think that that was part of it for sure. But, but get this, when, when a child, an Israelite child, when they were born, they were nursed. But then the, the nursing season was literally, it didn't happen to be at the breast for this long, but it just meant the season of time that they were at home until they became a grown-up. In other words, Moses probably got to live in his own home with his mom and dad and his sister and brother until he was about 12. He literally got to be in his mommy's house until he was between 9 and 12. That's what it meant to be nursed at home. That's what Hannah did when she brought Samuel to the the prophet to the temple to be given to the priest. It said that she took him home and she raised him until he was done nursing. Literally, I always thought they brought a baby to a bunch of these priests. (laughs) That's not what happened. He got to be raised until he was 9 or 12. 9, 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there. So imagine that, right? Moses is being raised in the house of a woman whose name is to God be the glory. He was introduced to God. He was introduced to holiness. I got a funny feeling. I got a funny feeling that when Moses was in that, when Moses was out in that field and he saw that bush on fire and he heard the voice of God, I got a funny feeling he had heard that voice before. Maybe it came through his mommy's lips, I don't know. But he got to hear the voice of God before because when he heard it, he recognized who God was. I got a funny feeling that when Moses stood on, that, uh, on the preface, precipice of that, of that shore, when he literally held up his staff and he said, part waters. I got a funny feeling that somewhere he learned that the ability for God to do that which was miraculous may have came somewhere in that time when he was at home. When Moses walked over and he struck the rock and water came pouring out in the middle of a dry and arid time, he learned that somewhere and he didn't learn it in Egypt. See, I got a funny feeling that there was an influence into his life when he was a little boy. Later on, we see that Aaron was a mouthpiece. Aaron got to do the talking in front of Pharaoh. We got to see that Miriam got to stand there and believe as a prophet and speak, thus saith the Lord to Moses. There was so much that happened. I love the fact that when we read this story, there was a woman who got to release her children to God. Great mommies release their children. Let me tell you this, moms. I've I've seen it happen in my own home where, where my three babies no longer live in my house. They're all in their 20s. They're all grown adults. Two married, one great, one with my little grandbaby. 
But I can tell you this, there was a moment where Polly had to cross a line of releasing our babies off to their own adulthood, to some releasing them into the arms of spouses. That was nothing more than gut-wrenching watching those dark nights. There's some of you here today. Let me tell you this. I've also seen mommies fail in that moment. I've watched mommies just hang on so tight to their kids and never let their kids fully grow up and somehow have, think they have so much influence over their kids' marriages that they actually destroy them. We've got to release our kids into the hands of God with whatever decisions they make and then pray like all of your prayers matter because they do. I think too many of us forget and we think somehow that that we have to literally decide in faith that we're going to step out and trust you, God, as long as I can see how it's going to work out. Some of you are releasing your kids off to husbands and wives. Some of you are releasing them off to jobs and careers. You're going to have to release them because they're not going to stay with you forever. Hopefully. Mommy, I respect you. It is a high call. Can we pray today? Jesus, this morning, I thank you so much for the role of mom, spiritual mom, soccer mom, adoptive mom. It doesn't matter. God, you've given moms into our lives to absolutely transform our opinion of who you are. Lord, I believe that there are people here today who are going to be introduced to Jesus in a whole new way because of their mom's relationship with you. God, I pray right now for courage in places where there's been no courage. Lord, where there's healing in places where the enemy has has wreaked havoc. I pray for hope where there has been despair. Lord, I ask that you bring healing and joy. Lord, we trust you today. Have your way, God. Just as we're sitting quietly, I just want you to receive the blessing of Jesus on your life. To some, it's a healing moment. When you've needed your mom and she wasn't there, God wants to let you know he saw you. He heard heard you. He's been with you. He sees you. A woman who's here today who's never held her baby in her arms but have only held them in her heart. God sees you. He hears you. He wants to fill you up. In Jesus' name, amen.